It's time for Decal Download, your source for news and information from the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. We'll hear from Commissioner Amy M. Jacobs and special guests to give you an update on all things Decal. This is Decal Download. Downloading now. All this week, the state of Georgia and all of us here at the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning are celebrating Inclusive Early Learning Week. And, Commissioner, it's our effort to increase public awareness and advocacy for inclusion and to celebrate inclusive classrooms here in Georgia. Absolutely. So this is one week out of the year that we devote to highlight the importance of inclusive early learning environments and our inclusive inclusion staff do an excellent job of making sure we have the ability to get out to classrooms and promote the the importance of this week, which is a great week, the week of Valentine's Day. I know. Love inclusion. That's right. 2019. Put a hashtag in front of that (laughs) if you're out there on social media. Here to talk about the special week and how you can get involved. Returning to the program, Brandy Laquetta, Program Director of Inclusion and Behavioral Support for DECAL, along with Sean L. Johnson, Quality Improvement and Training Unit Director from our Child Care Services Division, and Veronica Thomas, who is Program Manager of Inclusion and Behavioral Support. Ladies, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Thank Brad. you. Or I say welcome back to Brandy, and welcome <laughs> for the first time to Sean L. and Veronica. And we kind of like to let our listeners in on who we're talking with. So, Chanel, can you give us your background? Tell us how you uh, arrived where you are today at CCS. Sure. Well, my background is in child care. I started off as a preschool teacher and a pre-K teacher. I spent some time directing for a little bit. So my background is fully in licensed child care. I joined DECAL in 2010 as a licensing consultant and spent some time in Metro Atlanta providing care to child care programs and providing technical assistance and also um, helping them with their health and safety regulations. But more recently, in the past five years, I have been in child care services as a manager, and my primary role is to provide professional development and training to our licensing staff. Mm. And we've got a great team. Yes, we do. CCS is awesome. And I love the fact that your background was in the child care setting. Has that helped you? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think it, for one reason, it really helps me is because it allows me to have compassion and empathy for child care providers. It's a really hard job um, and it's amazing work. So I think that has helped me with understanding how to connect with our provider community. Um, but also, I think it also <laughs> has helped me also see the, t- the other side of it, too, is that we have some really amazing child care providers who want to provide the best care for children, but they also have some challenges. So I think having that background can put me right back in their shoes. Right. It's a very realistic approach that you're bringing, although you're definitely um, enforcing the rules and regulations of health and safety. So that's a great combination, great background. Thank Veronica, you. how about you? I know you've been working with DECAL for a few years now. Mm-hmm. So I've been with DECAL since 2015. Um, I started off as an inclusion specialist working in the field in like the southern metro area. Um, so really love doing the work and working with providers around how to make adaptations, supporting social-emotional development. Um, and I just recently became the Inclusion um, and Behavioral Support Program Manager. Um, so I'm really excited to be in this role and to, you know, support our team that's growing and expanding in the state right. of Georgia. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And how do you feel about the new position? Are you excited? I am excited. I am very excited. So we're growing as a team, and we also are expanding the services that we can provide to the um, to the counties and yeah. the state of Georgia. That is very exciting. The yeah. expansion is fantastic, and we're excited about Brandy and her new responsibilities. And so, Brandy, we'll start with, with you. This really is a special week, and we're right here in the middle of 
uh, inclusive early learning week. A great time to emphasize what I know you're a very big proponent on, and that is people first language, which places the individual first, the disability second. And this is a great week to talk about that. Absolutely. Person first language is is a really easy way for everybody, regardless of their role or their um, interaction with children across the state, to be able to inform their practice and the way they communicate about people with disabilities and to people with disabilities. And um, we've had a lot of staff in in past years and then in preparation for this week re-sign or sign the Person First Pledge um, to renew their commitment to using People First Language. Give us an example, uh, maybe your favorite examples of People First Language or the common mistakes. That I was just going to say, I don't know if I have a favorite example, but <laughs> I would say um, common something you commonly hear is children with autism being referred to as autistic children. Um, that's something that I think you hear a lot. And um, people with disabilities being referred to as disabled people. Um, thinking about people being wheelchair-bound. Mm. Um, just some of those tweaks to the way we think about and communicate. Like homeless right. people, people mm-hmm. experiencing homelessness. That's right. Those that's kinds right. of things. That's exactly right. Well, you're kind of the conscience of decal when it comes to that, because I think you've brought it up uh, in a way that maybe we haven't really thought about it as much, and it's become part of our everyday thinking. So I appreciate uh, the work that you're doing, and we want people to keep that in mind this week. Veronica, how did we come up with the idea of having an inclusive early learning week, and how did you guys land on the week of February for the tradition? So we first began um, celebrating inclusion the week um, that K-12 through celebrated it, which was in December. Um, and as you can imagine, there was lots of challenges scheduling events in December when people are preparing to go for the holidays and whatnot. So we moved it. We wanted to stay away from Georgia Pre-K Week because we love celebrating with our pre-K um, um, unit. And so we decided on the week of February because what's in February? Valentine's Day. Right. So love, decal, inclusion. Um, and that really gives us an opportunity to get out to all our child care programs, family child care learning homes, school districts, head starts, so that we can celebrate. So it's been great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is our what annual? Fourth. Fourth mm-hmm. annual. All right. Time flies during Inclusive Early Learning. It does. (laughs) So here at DECAL, we license and regulate about 5,000 child care programs through our Child Care Services Division. And, Chanel, how are you uh, involved in supporting providers as they serve children of all families? Uh, Well, I think first it's ensuring that they have licensing staff that understands the rules and regulations and provide good customer service and consistency to them. So uh, my involvement really is at the level of helping the child care consultants. Um, They go through a 90-day onboarding process that's very intensive. It's a combination of both in-class training and field-based training, and that's really to help prepare them to serve child care providers um, I think that it's really important for child care consultants to be able to go into a program and, one, understand rules and regulation, but also offer suggestions. There's a part of the visit where they do an exit conference, and that's a time for them to talk with a child care provider about action plans, next steps. And so it's really important for us as a licensing division to meet the providers where they are, but also give them suggestions for improvement. That 90-day onboarding, by the way, a little side note, we post photos of 
your consultants at the ceremony that you have. And you've told me that can kind of get emotional. Yeah. So this last group got real emotional. Um, but it was really, it was a really beautiful experience because they have bonded. And so I think what's really important about going through a process like that is that you have this emotional awareness. I think as public servants, it's really important to understand the public. And so our staff, when they're going through this training, they're bonding and they're connecting. So they're building relationships among their team members. But also, I think it's helping them to have this awareness of emotional intelligence to understand how providers feel. Yeah. And they really, in the work that they do, that all of us do in the field, need someone to kind of, you know, um, back them up. Yes. When there are difficult situations or stress or whatever. So I, I think that's great. Now, in working with the child care providers and the child care consultants, it's my understanding that you get some frequently asked questions and specific to potty training and children with disabilities in a non-diapering classroom. Yes, Tell we, us about that. We do. So um, Child Care Services has been working with inclusion on answering these questions, and we typically get questions from the field directly from child care consultants and even families that call the department. And so some of the questions that we get is that, are we supposed to move that child to another classroom? Do we have to amend our license and make a non-dopering classroom and now a diapering classroom? Um, am I even allowed to diaper a child with special, special needs? So there's a variety of different questions around just um, understanding the, the health and safety aspects. Um, I do believe that the confusion can come in with the fact that we do have rules around diapering, and that's really focused on infant and toddler children. Mm. And children with different abilities um, may need some reasonable accommodations, and so that can confuse the, the public around what to do to help support children. Sure. Do you find that that's the resistance to a child care provider when it comes to serving children with special needs? Oh, absolutely. Um, you don't know until you know, so it's a, an awareness. Um, I, I also see that with our child care consultant staff, for sure. Um, sometimes it's just trying to figure out what is the right thing to do for that particular child. I think um, in licensing, because we have regulations that we follow, sometimes it's difficult to make a decision around whether or not if you're going to uh, meet the child's needs or if you're meeting that regulation. And I, I think it's really important for um, child care providers to know is that licensing is completely in a partnership with them. So we want to work through it with them. We understand that children come with different abilities and different backgrounds, and it's really important to meet that child at their level. And so licensing has processes for um, looking at the rule differently, looking at the rule in a way that helps them meet the need of that child. Mm-hmm. And I know they've got issues like the changing table privacy, ventilation, things like yeah, that. Yeah, that's all kind of related to the diapering practices. So diapering is a, is a core rule. So that's one of the rules that has been identified as a health and safety rule that if it's violated, it brings a risk factor to children. And so I think child care providers are trying to be careful, which to that extent, I believe licensing really appreciates that, that they just want to make sure that they're doing the right thing. However, when they have children um, who have needs around diapering and potty training, they can find other ways to support them. And so that may mean that they're diapering in a way that's 
traditionally different for a child who's older. Maybe um, this child um, is at an age where they're no longer able to be on a changing table. So licensing wants to work with them to find creative ways, whether if that's bringing a mat into the bathroom so they still have privacy, but we still have a hygiene issue that we're, we're working on because they can use a non-porous mat that they can wipe. So it's really thinking outside the box, mm-hmm. really. Um, I don't want to just limit it to just, this is how you should do it. I don't think we should approach any child that way. Right. I think we should be creative in our approach and work work together with the teacher and um, the family on um, what they're expecting. Right. Veronica, I'm thinking about your experience over the past three years working with providers. Would you back up what Chanel's saying in terms of what they're looking for is just help? I think so, definitely. Um, I've definitely worked with a lot of programs that are just looking to do what's right by CCS and do what's right by the family also. So I think that they reach out to us a lot of times in inclusion, and we work with CCS to make sure that we're informing them with the right information so that they can provide that care. What Mm -hmm. advice would you give to parents who are facing questions like maybe a provider won't move their child uh, to the next classroom, but, you know, because of these issues, what should they do? I definitely think that they should, one, um, find out the resources that, that are available to help support their decision and having a conversation with their child care provider. Um, th- there's plenty of information on our website uh, related to inclusion that can guide families around understanding children and their development and their developmental milestones. But I think the first step, honestly, and this is now me talking as a parent, <laughs> uh, that it's, it really takes that parent meeting with that director and having an honest and open conversation um, that they should feel comfortable with that director talking about what accommodations that their, their child may need. Uh, that's the first approach. I think that the relationship between the family and the director is the primary relationship we want to preserve because mm-hmm. they're the one that's providing care. The next step would to be to intervene with the department if they need the support. I hope at the director and the parent level that they're able to resolve whatever accommodations that they need to make. But DECAL, we're here to help so they can reach, reach out to the Inclusion Services Department for some information. And also licensing is always available. We have a consultant of the day that's always on the phone line. And we're, we, we can come in and provide some guidance around health and safety. You know, we're always uh, giving advice about interviewing your potential child care provider, you know, making sure you know uh, what to expect. And we've even talked about the pop-in visit uh, unexpectedly to make sure they can, uh, you know, they're living what they what they say. And Brandy, should parents of children with special needs include these questions in their interview when they're looking at possible child care? When we get some questions like this, so I want to say first, CCS has been an amazing thought partner with us and with families and administrators and thinking outside the box. And something when families come forward that that I know um, both Inclusion and CCS really encourage them to do is ask about policies around potty training and Mm -hmm. diapering. Um, Even if you're not sure that that you need to know that for your particular child. So maybe your child doesn't have a developmental disability or a reason that potty training is even on your radar, it's a good question to ask because there are some providers who have center policies about children being able to move to preschool and their private pre-Ks, um, and DECAL is not in a position to, to mandate individual center policies. So it's good to know when you're looking for care for your child if that's a policy that the center has and if that's something that 
meet your family's needs or not. Because we can give all the suggestions and we can talk through um, thinking out of the box about solutions that keep you in compliance and meet the children's needs. But ultimately, if the center has a policy, we can't make them change that policy. And so it's important just to be aware. And Veronica, to make the providers more comfortable, you guys are here to help them with just these very questions. Right. So we get a lot of calls from families um, asking questions, looking for child care that's willing to make accommodations. And that's really helpful that our field staff is used to working in those programs, have developed relationships with programs so that they can provide a referral to programs who are um, used to making accommodations, are happy to. And then we also provide support to those programs as well. Right. Mm -hmm. That's great to know and how many uh consultants do we have now right now we that's have, a loaded that's question, a loaded okay. question. <laughs> right now we have eight i'm gonna yes. say is yes. that correct Randy? That is, yeah. um, we have eight right now but we're moving to 18 wow. is that wow. correct? Yes. field staff so we're really excited about that yeah catching up with cc yeah wow <laughs> i was like wow that's amazing so child care services um in our regions We have six regions, and each region has eight. And I'm over here trying to do the math. (laughs) So what is that? That's 48. So we have 48 regional consultants with uh, six managers and six coordinators who support them. And we have uh, specialty units across the state. Right. And it's great. These are literally boots on the ground (laughs) in the child care world. So back to uh, this week, Brandy, Inclusive Early Learning Week. Child care providers are encouraged to download. You have an electronic provider celebration kit that helps get kids involved and staff. Talk about that for a minute. Yes, so on the decal main page, if you look at that gold bar across the top under programs, you'll find inclusion services. And there's a section on our page called Tools for Early Educators, and the very first link is to the page for Inclusive Early Learning Week. And there's an electronic provider celebration kit that provides activities for children in classrooms, infants and toddlers, preschool, pre-K, all linked to the GELDs. And it also provides staff activities and parent and family engagement activities and all linked to a daily theme of celebrating the week so that a provider can decide how much of this can I build in during the week and how do I want to celebrate. We've had some providers pick that up as a suggestion and run with making their own and some that have just used that to map their week out. And um, there are some great resources. The kits from years past are still on our website. And then we'll have a lot of social media contests and prizes to give away for people who are engaging and celebrating that week. Yeah, we want everybody to post their pictures of your program celebrating Inclusive Early Learning Week. And that's our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, using the hashtag LoveInclusion2019 to show others how you're celebrating. And Commissioner, I know you've got to be proud of the work and collaboration going on. This is a great example between our inclusion team and child care services. Yeah, I was really excited to hear more of the details about how CCS and inclusion have been working together. It makes perfect sense because Chanel is right on point. We want to support providers and families and children, and I can't think of a better example than how Chanel uh, explained it. So I'm really proud of that work. Yeah, and it happened without anybody telling you to do it, right? <laughs> Y'all just came up with this. I love it. It's great, uh, great reflection on the agency. Well, uh, we're excited about the week. We're right here in the middle of it as you're listening to this podcast, uh, and we hope we'll give you a couple of days there that you can get involved. Of course, inclusion is something we want to emphasize throughout the year. Um, So if you want more information, Brandy, where should they go? 
They can go to the Inclusion Services webpage on our DECAL site. They can email inclusion at decal.ga.gov. There's always someone um, responding to that email address who can connect them with whatever supports they need. Fantastic. Have a great week. Thank, Thank you, you guys for being here. Thanks Veronica so and Chanel, come back anytime. Brandy's over here all the time, so just come with her <laughs> and be a part. So thanks a lot. Have a great week. Thank, Thank you. Now your questions from the water cooler. Hi, Commissioner Jacobs. This is Leslie Truman, uh, Admin Assistant for Nutrition Services. And who is your favorite baseball team? Leslie, I've got to be loyal to my Atlanta Braves. They'd have to be my favorite baseball team. Don't watch professional baseball a whole lot, but it's it's always fun to go and see them in person. Um, It's a great atmosphere there and see some of our favorite Atlanta Braves. Start to say that question was out of left field, but I don't guess that would be. It's nice to know. Spring coming up. I hit that one out of the park, though. Whoa, it's a grand slam. (laughs) All right, you've listened to the podcast. Now it's time for the decal download quiz. We'll take all the correct answers we receive for this question for a drawing, and you could win a very nice prize. Here is this week's question. Who is the program manager for inclusion and behavioral support at DECAL? Who is the program manager for inclusion and behavioral support at DECAL? You can send your answers to decaldownload at decal.ga.gov. We will draw from all the correct answers for the winner. Thanks for tuning in to DECAL Download. For more information, visit our website at decal.ga.gov. The conversation continues on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Follow Commissioner Jacobs on Twitter at C-O-M-M Jacobs.